Welcome one, welcome all back after the long weekend that saw, well, mostly some UFC action. Top heavyweights collide, or middling heavyweights, if you <laughs> yeah. side with my theory here. But it's the Below Average Joes. We're back once again. It's Monday. That means we're here with another MMA weekend recap. I'm Noah Baker, one half, the co-host, yes. the duo. Yes. The man to my right, the left side of your screen. Yes. The left earbud, if you're yes. listening on audio or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, he is the man with 99 problems, but being negative ain't one. Dominic Lee. <laughs> How are you doing, my friend? I'm just jolly. No, I'm, just, uh, it's, uh, I'm doing good, man. It was a good weekend. For those that were here for Thursday's episode, or no, wait, I talked about that earlier in the week on Wednesday's episode. I went to see WWE SmackDown, a first WWE, that WWE event for me in years, over a decade, and I had a good time. So I got to go from that into the UFC from the scripted to the real life shit. It was a good weekend. All of my childhood meeting with my modern day it was just a big twist and gopper of emotions this weekend for me. But it was good. I'm good. How are you? How was your weekend? Well, I did not go to SmackDown. I went SmackDown on a couple plates of food. Maybe oh. ordered some Taco Bell. Nice. Went SmackDown on that. Okay. Yeah, that was really good for the... <laughs> That was really good for a diet right there. Um, yeah, I just watched a shit ton of stand-up specials this weekend. That's all I did. I just watched a lot of stand-up comedy this weekend. And uh, there might be, maybe I'll recommend one when we get to the all right, all right. To, to the closing statements. But that's not why the people are here, Dominic. They're here to hear us talk about people punching each other in the face and i want to give a you know a thank you to some of the people that have been commenting lately on our episodes on our videos yeah yeah and seeing a lot more interactions as of late love it um that always just it it just you know i i mean we we're we're gonna do our thing we're gonna do our grind regardless of the level of the numbers right yeah regardless of the numbers but it does um make it a little easier to kind of get out there and do it when People kind of, you know, and some of them, it's like guy just saying algorithm comment. Hey, shout out to you. Yeah, that guy, man, that guy was commenting on everything. He was liking yeah. everything on Instagram. I'm like, hell yeah, man. This guy, ride or die right there. Baby. Yes. Um, but we start, Dominic, with UFC Apex. Yeah, <laughs> the middling heavyweights collide. Alexander yeah. Volkov, that big fucking tree of a russian oh man he takes down jarzinho biggie boy rosenstroik in the first round two minutes 12 seconds in maybe he's a bit surprising i mean i think we both even I said know. on this show on thursday that the idea of volkov getting a finish here would surprise us but he does uh surprise once again i guess the question that we have to ask off the top dominic is your thoughts on the finish uh referee herb dean uh, doing another one of his classic yeah. <laughs> awkward finish, uh, awkward it, step-ins. It's always um, Herb in these situations. Yeah, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on the finish. Do you agree with it? Do you feel like it was a little premature? Go ahead. Oh, I thought you kind of said it best because you responded on Twitter to our podcast Twitter. It's above my head if you guys don't follow us. Yeah, follow it gets us. complicated. Dom tweeted yeah. it from the podcast. I responded from my per- – it's just – Right. But – it, it, like some people, I feel like might have read it and thought I was responding to a tweet. I Your own tweet. Myself, yeah. I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 I didn't do that. I didn't yeah. do that. Um, no shame in that, Noah. No shame. Yeah, um, well, yeah. But it was, a, it was a good stoppage, right? It seemed like the fight was over. And if Herb doesn't step in, it was one of those instances where Jorginho was just going to keep taking shots. Like Volkov was on him. He wasn't going to stop being on him. And he looked out. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's that's what always sucks about these is that the ref steps in and it looks great, but all of a sudden Jarzinho stands up and it's like, oh damn! So it looks bad after the fact, but in the moment, that's a good stoppage. That's a that's a TKO, uh, and it was surprising. I did not think Volkov was going to get a finish at least early on in the fight. So it makes me look like a jackass, of course, right? I'm the guy with the podcast watching these fights every Saturday for six seven hours. We had company over last night. The main event starts, and he's like, "All right, Dom, what, what, what's kind of the what, what's the breakdown here?" Basically, I'm like, "Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, I know." 
I'm the guy that's supposed to all these casual people that come over. I'm the guy. I'm the guy that feeds the info. I'm like, well, Volkov's this big guy, six foot seven. He's humongous. He's probably going to pick his shots, get it done over the course of five rounds, is what I would imagine. If Rosenstrike lets his hands go, the fight should end early. Look what fucking happens. Volkov gets a first round finish, so I'm an Let idiot. Let me guess. Tonight. They were all like, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you should even have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? right? Yeah. Oh and, God. Hey, I'm just chuckling along with them. In my head, I'm like, yeah, all right, all right. Look, Anyways. We call, we call ourselves the below average just for a reason. We know we're shit. <laughs> yeah. We know we're shit. We, we acknowledge we it. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, hey, Volkov, to get a finish like this, I think – yeah, is good for him again it, it's tough right we talked about it there's not many storylines for this being a main event we didn't like it being a main event he gets a win he's back in the win column that's all fine and dandy but it's just like volkov has never been able to put it all together string three four in a row can he do it this time we just have to wait and see well let me just say that as for the finish you're right i i kind of gave my thoughts on twitter you just sort of uh, re-illustrated that and kind of agreed with them. It's a gut. It's a gut call, yeah. right? It's a it's yeah. a split second decision. If I were in Herb Dean's shoes, I would have stopped the fight as well. Rosenstrike was giving up his back, turning away from uh, Volkov, not really intelligently defending himself. Of course, once Herb steps in, Rosenstrike does kind of like the the thing that the only thing that makes it sound bad is that Rosenstrike was never actually dropped. True. Like yeah. He never actually went down, which I get, like, not every fight ends that way. I mean, you've seen some standing TKOs yeah. before, but it's a rarity. Um, but, I mean, he, man, I mean, one of those, I think what really made Herb, like, quick to react here, because most of the time when he's getting criticized for these type things, it's for the opposite reason. People are saying he's letting fights go on too long. Be hesitant, I mean, yeah. Man, nobody. I don't know whose wife Herb Dean had sex with. That now in the MMA community, to where now they just like come with pitchforks, like ready to like yeah. burn this man to the ground every time he makes a judgment call. But yeah. this time it was for being too quick, and I think what really threw him off was one of the first clean shots in the exchange that Volkov landed. It sent Rosenstrike's mouthpiece yes, like yes. 20 feet. I mean, I would I need to see a measurement on that mouthpiece. Because, I mean, that mouthpiece went flying, Dom. Yes, I didn't yes. even know it was possible to knock a mouthpiece that far out of someone's mouth. I mean, that was insane. So I would still like to see the measurement on that. But I think Herb was like, oh, shit, yeah. mouthpiece flying. That's usually not a good sign. Yeah. And um, it did kind of look like Rosenstruck was kind of – the right leg was doing a little stanky leg a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he looked like he was about to do the Ngannou fall, like how he kind of fell in the Ngannou yep. fight. But Volkov doesn't quite carry the power like that. So it didn't really happen that way. I still think it's a fine call. I think if Herb lets it go – 10, 15 seconds later, you're probably still ending that fight. Obviously, we don't know that, but I'm just saying it. It, it was a pretty depth. It was it was a pretty uh, definite like win right there, in my opinion, for yeah. Volkov. So you're right on one hand, Dom. When we look past this and go, okay, kind of what's next, or what does this win mean for him? Um, it keeps him relevant, which right. is important. That's an important thing for Volkov. He needs to remain relevant. I mean, he, you threw out the statistic. He had the third most UFC main events since, what was it, 2019? It was 2017 or 2019, one of the oh, two, okay. but this was number seven. Yeah, I mean. And he's probably going to get I, number eight now. But, well, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know if we should like. I just because he won here, I think. I know. <laughs> but still put you, put you a little lower on these yeah. cards. But at the same time, I mean, when you look at kind of who's ahead, I'm pretty sure he's fought everybody ahead of him at this point so outside Gotta of be. i guess say ganu yeah that's so, it <laughs> i mean he's fought well he hasn't fought stipe but again i don't yeah. think that fight stipe and tie but those are yeah Ooh, the tie fight's interesting that's a very interesting fight but obviously yeah. i know that's not going to happen because ty is going to fight uh Cyril Gond. but in the future that's an interesting matchup 
Um, I actually think for Rosenstrike, a good matchup is Chris Dawkins. Both guys. That is on, a good fight. You know, a couple. Uh, um, Rosenstrike, this is a losing streak now for him, right? Is that yeah, two in a row? Yeah, that would be two. Yeah. So Dawkins also won two in a row. Uh, both guys needing to step back, needing to kind of get out of the main event, shine for a little bit. Yep. Collide with one another. I think that's a solid fight. Um, again, I don't have a ton for <clears throat> either guy moving forward because really they're. I mean, for Rosenstroke, it's more or less just kind of. I mean, it's it's sort of confirmation of what we kind of were worried about for him, and that that he's maybe just not really that elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Volkov, I. I mean, dude has a ton of experience. He's thirty-four and ten now. Like, I mean, that's yeah. that's a lot of fights. Yeah. And he's not necessarily the youngest guy in the world either. So I don't know how much more he has left as an elite heavyweight or at least as a top-level heavyweight, but we'll see. Um, if he's going to make a quick turnaround, though, I don't know what kind of matchup he's going to get. Is it going to be a rematch? Is it going to be, you know, is he going to have to fight someone behind? Behind, like, yeah. let's say, well, Pavlovich maybe beats Derek Lewis. Yeah. That would or make maybe sense. the winner of that fight. I, a rematch with Volkov and Derek Lewis could be an interesting proposition since Volkov yeah. was winning that fight so handedly the first time before getting a yucca knocked <laughs> the fuck out. And then the balls was hot, you know, all that yeah. stuff. So Yes. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I have to say about this fight. Dominic, you yeah. have any other thoughts? No, it was one of those, right? There's not a ton of takeaways. But this next one, I think there's a bit more. I think so. Okay, co-main event. This was the fight that I think most people, myself especially, this was the selling point of this card, was yep. this co-main event here. A very important fight in the featherweight division. Mozar, Evloev. I like saying Evloev. The, the broadcast, the way that they were announcing it, which by the way, Yeah, John Anik, Paul Felder on the two-man call. Great stuff. They were great. Yeah, I'm sure that's Dominic's ideal <laughs> booth right there. I think yes, absolutely. <clears throat> um, but I like Evloev. Uh, he undefeated has looked really good up to this point. But Dominic, he's I think this was his fifth outing in the UFC or his sixth outing sixth. maybe. Yeah, and he had an average fight time in the UFC of 15 minutes. <laughs> yep, he's literally never finished a fight up to this point. So that's what a lot of people were hoping for. But a lot easier said than done against Dan 50K Ige. Uh, Dan Ige's got a hell of a chin, and it showed in this fight multiple times. Yeah. Mozart does get the unanimous decision win, Dominic, over Dan Ige. My question for you, is it still disappointing, though, despite the fact this is the biggest one of his career, it puts him in the top ten, is there a disappointing a disappointment factor to this fight because he couldn't get that finish on Dan Ige. So I guess immediate thought is like, yeah, you know, you want to see him eventually get a finish, right? But then you really dig in. Dan Ige's never been finished. That was a sixth loss, and he's never been finished. And you look at the competition that he's fought in the UFC, I think that says a lot more about just Ige and his durability, because I thought it was a damn near flawless performance for Mozart. He dominated this fight from start to finish. He pieced up Dan Ige on the feet which going in, you think Ige, well, that's his route to victory, right? If he can get a knockout or keep it on the feet. No, he got pieced up, battered, his face was a bloody mess, and got dominated on the ground. Movzar's had two-plus takedowns and I think, all six of his UFC fights, the control time. He's constantly dealing damage, ground and pound. Um, but he's not overzealous and doesn't try to rush in for a finish. So I guess, if anything, you just want to see a little bit more urgency when he does have his opponent's on the fence, quote-unquote, to get a finish. But, I mean, again, we kind of had this discussion on Thursday. I even asked you, like, would you? does a finish do more for you than uh, another decision by Evelove? And you're like, well, it depends, because if he goes in there and one-punch knockout, it doesn't tell me as much as 15 minutes of domination over Ige, which is what we saw. So I think, again, a finish would be an icing on the cake, but this, to be 6-0 and now in the UFC, it was his first top-10 victory over a guy like Danny Ige, who is back and forth, but he's fought the toughest guys in the division since he came into the UFC. I think it uh, said a lot. I thought it was a fantastic performance. Yeah, I, it was a uh, really. If you rate this performance, it's got to be an A. Yeah. Probably. Oh yeah. A minus yeah. A. I mean, didn't get the finish, but outside of that, you completely outworked 
a yeah. solid a workhorse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for 15 minutes. Dan Ige, known for his pressure, his striking, pressure striking. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Movzar kind of neutralized him. And in the first round, it's not like the takedowns were coming necessarily easy right away. Yeah. Um, he had to kind of work for it and also at times had to go through extended periods of colliding on the feet. And he yeah. looked good. That, yeah. I mean, let's talk about the, the flying knees that he was throwing. I mean, mm-hmm. just Dan Ige. Very Dude, he ate player. one bad. Ige <laughs> trying to keep a lower base, recognizing yep. the threat of the takedowns. Movzar, because of that, throwing these flying knees at him. The one that he ate, I mean, again, <laughs> anybody else in the division that probably knocks out. Yeah. Besides, well, I shouldn't say anybody else in the division. I mean, you got Max Holloway. Yeah, with right, Monsky right. With granite chins as well. But Ortega with granite chin. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, there's a lot of granite chins in this division. Maybe yeah. it doesn't knock out anybody in this division. But yeah, yeah. It was a hell of a knee. A yes. hell of a knee. And just showed how fucking tough Dan Ige is to be able to eat it. Now, for people, if anybody was disappointed in the lack of a finish, you know, outside, okay, your point is good, solid. Ige, never been finished. But, okay, let's say Mozart, if he's really that guy, he should be able to finish this fight. Let's just say that that's what people think. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be something that Mozart is always going to have weighing over him, the lack of a yeah. finish, lack of finishes. And they're not going to get any easier. No. I mean, if he wasn't able to finish the likes of, you know, Joey Buttfuck from, you know, <laughs> on the first car, the first fight he was ever a part yeah. of in the UFC, he's not going to have an easier time finishing Dan Ige. I do think there's something to be said that when uh, Mozart gets his control, gets that top position in his wrestling, he tends to go into autopilot a little bit. He's so good and mm. keeping that top position, holding the control, that he doesn't really, he doesn't really put himself in any sort of risky position to right. look for a finish. He doesn't have to. Yeah. And you can, you know, we can debate on if that's a uh, a right or wrong thing to do, or if that's a you know something that you should support or not support. But it's getting him wins, and here he looked great. I mean, he he put it on Ige. The next opponent he gets, it's not going to come any easier to get that finish. I believe he called out Arnold Allen. Was that who he called out? I think that is who he called out. I don't know if he ever even said the specific name, but he's like, there's a guy, he's 8 known in the UFC, he's avoiding me, blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. Arnold Allen, right? Arnold he's the Allen, only guy that's undefeated in the UFC. Yeah. And Arnold yeah. Allen did have a tweet in response to this that said uh, essentially that he's looking ahead and then had an right. emoji, Japanese flag, and a zombie, so... Uh, yeah, we kind of know what he's looking for there. Uh, yeah. Also, Ilya Tuporia, who was supposed to fight Movzar, I believe, right? Those two were matched up at the... I think January, they have been in the past, yeah. yeah. January. Um, I remember <clears throat> they were supposed to fight at UFC 270. I believe Movzar had to pull out due to like some weight-cutting issues yeah. or something, or had some sort of injury. Yeah. And Tuporia had some not very nice things to say about him pulling out of that fight. Well, Tuporia went to Twitter again and once again was kind of saying, look, you're not calling me out. You're avoiding me. You're being a pussy, essentially. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. Um, So, Dominic, you know, what kind of matchup would you like to see next for Mozart? Now that he's hit the top 10, should he be the one looking ahead or. Would the kind of matchup that he was supposed to have with Tuporia still be kind of a lucrative option right now? I don't think it's a terrible option. Like, if they made it, I would definitely be excited. It's two of the, like, those are the two, like, prospects of the division because everybody else is kind of solidified where they are now. <laughs> but even Evloev, after that win, he's kind of, like, solidified himself, too. He's going to be number 10 come Tuesday morning. So I would say he should look ahead as well, Noah. I think Toporia is not far behind, and I think eventually we see those two fight regardless. I think they are just that good. But I love the – I mean, there's there are a lot of fights here, but there's also some that are booked because, like, I'd love him versus Emmett or Cater, but obviously those two are fighting each other here in two weeks. Arnold Allen would be an incredible fight, but he does deserve to fight ahead. The poor guy's been underrated for so long. That Dan Hooker win put him on the map. I mean, what about like him versus Bryce Mitchell, him versus Giga Chikadze? Like either one of those two options 
I would be all here for. Honestly, more so for Mitchell, just because he's another phenomenal grappler. Do they then cancel each other out and see him on the feet? I don't know, but I think either one of those two fights is what should be next for Evloyev, and honestly, the two most realistic options. Yeah, let me just put this out there, because Bryce Mitchell, I said after he won against Barboza, I wanted to see him in Chikadze, five rounds. Yeah, yeah. If not that, Mitchell versus Evloev here. That might even be a more interesting matchup. Two guys that are more known for their ground game, having to Mm -hmm. potentially strike it out on the feet. Um, Make that five-round headliner. These are the kind of fights that should be the headliners on these cards, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there again. Um, That would be a beautiful main event, I think. Now, is that the fight that ends up happening? Mm, I feel like Bryce Mitchell's pretty... uh, You know, most of these guys are on win streaks right now, kind of that we're looking at here. So they're all trying to look ahead. You know, the most vulnerable guy ahead is the Korean zombie right now. You know, he's kind of left himself up in the air. Like, I don't know if I'm going to retire or not. And then it looks like he's not going to retire. You know, Arnold Allen really wanting to get that fight. I think most people would probably favor Arnold Allen in that fight at this point, coming off of the zombie's last performance. But, you know, I don't know. There's not a ton of vulnerable guys in this top group. No. It's a... It's a shark tank, really, outside of – and even the Korean Zombie just a year ago was beating Dan Ige in the main event and yeah. did it by showing new wrinkles to his game. So, yeah, he might not be good enough to beat Volkanovski, but who's to say he doesn't put up a good fight against Arnold Allen? I, don't, I think that's not out of the question. But mm-hmm. if you just look at the rest of the division, it's just, I mean, shark tank. Absolute shark yes. tank. No easy fights available. So I do look forward to seeing kind of what's next for – um, these guys for Dan Ige, do you have anything on him? Anything that you would want to see? It's a tough, I mean, really, when you look at Dan Ige's run, Dom, I mean, let's be honest, uh, he had that really fantastic one punch knockout win, um, about a year ago. I forget who that was against, but, um, oh, Gavin Tucker, he was undefeated yes, before Gavin that. Gavin Tucker, it clocked was a really good yeah. win. Gavin Tucker, yeah. kind of this unranked guy looking to make a splash into the top 10. Um, one punch KOs him. Besides that, like he does have a win over Barboza, but that was a fight that a lot of people thought Barboza won. Yeah, that was a close. So when you really look at it, his run's not been like he's he's being he's getting the reputation for how tough he is with Dominic. That can kind of be a backhanded compliment when he's yep. not putting a lot of wins together. I think he needs a pretty big step back here. What do you think? Well. Well, how about this then, though? Because we already mentioned Ilya Toporia, and he is number 15 right now. I know, it's mean. It's mean. I know. This is mean. You're so mean. Mean. I know. But Danny versus Ilya Toporia is what I would It's a great fight. It's a great fight. (laughs) You know, I do think there might have been some disservice done to Danny Gay by him getting that. That's why the these judges' decisions are so important. Like him yeah. getting that nod over Barboza set his career dur- to a direction he may not have been ready for. He got that right. main event with Calvin Cater. Yes, it was a great fight. He gave it his all, but Calvin Cater won four or five rounds in that fight still. And then yeah. since then, you just had really outside of the one-punch knockout win against an opponent much lower than the rest of the guys he's been losing to. It just kind of paints this picture that Dan Ige is a very tough guy, a very good fighter, but maybe is just ranked a little too high for what he's really capable of right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if it's not Ilya, maybe he fights the winner of Billy Squared. I don't know. That would be an unranked guy, maybe. There you go. Actually, there. You, you know what, Dom? You, did you, I did I bring it back there a little you bit? Brought it back. <laughs> you brought it back. You know, you were really mean at first, but <laughs> now you can come bring it in. There you we know. go. Hug <laughs> time. Uh, more on this card to come, but first we got to talk about some fight announcements. There are some good ones here, Dom. Mm-hmm. July second, UFC two seventy six. You got to skip, bro. No, I'm not. I'm you gonna be skip. able to watch the fight, bro. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Ian Gary is back, taking on Gabe Green. Ian Gary, one of the bigger prospects in the mm-hmm. UFC right now. I mean, Dom, I don't know what to tell you. You got to skip. Look, okay, let me paint. I'll tell the audience what we're talking about here. 
Um, I don't know the people involved, but uh, they probably don't watch our shit anyways. So <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, Dominic is is going to a wedding on the yep. day of UFC 276. Now, it looks like it's all going to work out to where he will be home to watch the majority of the card. Yeah. Uh, at least the main card, right? Yeah, but the problem is the prelims are the prelims are pretty stacked. Pretty <laughs> yeah. stacked. Yeah. So Dominic, I'm just saying, bro. Like I get, you know, I think if you went up to if you if you again, I don't know these people, but let's say you just text them or called them or <laughs> sent them a fucking pigeon with the message wrapped yeah, up in yeah. or something, and said, just put a list of the fights on the this fights, card, just the card. Yeah, they would be like, we, we get, get it. it. Yeah. Like, it's our night. Send your gift in the mail. But UFC 276. Like, really, it's their fault for putting it on the same night as UFC 276. <laughs> it's International Fight Week, people. Right. Come on. Right. No weddings allowed. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, so, since you're not going to skip, I do want to get your thoughts on this fight since you won't be able to watch it live. Yeah. Damn it, no. <laughs> uh, this is actually a really good fight because Gabe Green is someone that a lot of people aren't aware of. But he's coming off of a fantastic win in his last fight at TKO Victory, one in which he was already looked at as the underdog going into that. But this is a guy that is also just like under the radar putting together a skill set. I think this is actually a really good fight between him and Ian Gary. I love I agree. It. I agree. Because Ian Gary's got a lot of the shine, a lot of the yeah. a lot of the eyes on him. But again, he is still a work in progress. You saw that in his last fight. He just he's not a fully polished yeah. product yet which i don't think anybody's expecting that it's not necessarily like the patty pimblet thing where people are kind of thinking patty pimblet should be fighting tony ferguson and shit right like that. Like just ian gary i think more people recognize it's a slow build with him right now yeah yeah gabe green great opponent to kind of see where he's at at this point yep next one august 13th Alexa Grasso taking on Vivian Arayujo. Alexa Grasso, one of the newest uh, people, one of the newest ladies into this top five here at Women's Flyweight. She got a pretty big win at UFC Columbus that we saw live. Now she's taking on Vivian. Is this the right kind of matchup for her? Do you feel like she's kind of getting snubbed? I, yeah. So I like the fight, at least, like stylistically, because Vivian's coming off of a good win. She still has potential, I believe. But I feel like after Grasso's win streak and being able to finish JoJo the way she did, I feel like she deserves to fight up. But I guess there's just like no one available. Taylor's fighting for the title. Andrade just fought at Strawweight. Lauren Murphy's fighting Misha. So if no one's available, next best thing, and it's against another tough prospect. I'll take it. I'll settle. Yeah. And then you have Chukagian fighting Manon. Right. So, right. Yeah. Just, you're right. There isn't whoever's available. There. If Grasso wants to stay available, you know, next lady up. Right. Right. Yep. Now we got a little bit of one championship. We always keep sneaking them in here in the fight announcements mm-hmm. lately. Mm-hmm. And it's the rematch, Dom. August 26th for us Yankees in America. Yeah. Uh, one, 161. I guess one got tired of doing the. Yeah, they're not doing the names. Favorite. Uh, the UFC tried it at one point. It didn't work out. So, uh, one one sixty one. We'll see Adriano Marais once again defend his one flyweight title against Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson. Has enough time passed to do this main to do this rematch? Is it kind of inevitable, or do you feel like Dom? You know, technically the only fight that Demetrius Johnson has had since the first loss is the Rod Tank fight, which was not a full-on MMA battle. It was one of those special rules, first round, Muay Thai, yep. second round, you know, MMA. Go and you know, he was able to submit a guy who had never, who's not a full MMA practitioner. So your thoughts on this main event, does it feel like Demetrius maybe sh- should have had more time to maybe get some more wins, or is this just an inevitable main event because it's a big deal for one? The latter right there. You hit it on the head. I, it's inevitable because of the name value. It's the, one of the biggest fights they can do. Let's book it again. I can't wait to see, you know, Adriano Marais outweigh Demetrius by 50 pounds come fight <laughs> night and be 10 inches taller than him. But we'll see what happens if Demetrius can get that undisputed strap and put together a string of wins to really solidify himself over there in one because he's still such a big deal to them. But Adriano Marais is legit. He's got a couple – title defenses or one title defense i believe he's got two i think two the, yeah i think the first one was 
Demetrius. Oh, technically he, was Demetrius, yeah. That he just defended uh, like a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Marais can really solidify himself, too, as like a pound-for-pound pound over there in one if he can beat Demetrius twice. So. I still think it's kind of a shame that Marais is not the level of star that he really should be for them because yeah. he's got the look, he's got the talent. He's putting finishes together. You know, he finished Mighty Mouse. He with a neat nasty a, a, a maneuver that would be illegal in, in America. <laughs> yeah. But should it be like I mean this guy he need fucking need Mighty Mouse in the face when they were yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Nasty stuff. But um some would say, hey, some are saying, Dom, that Demetrius Johnson just kind of forgetting this the the rule sets, maybe just didn't see that knee coming because he yeah. thought it was a uh, Thinking it was illegal. I don't know. Right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I'm just when, when you look that. into it, right. <laughs> I'm just trying to. Th- I'm just trying to help out this uh, rematch. Yeah, you're building uh, it. Look, I mean, obviously, Mighty Mouse should probably have a little bit more time. I mean, I'm sure he wants this fight. Yeah, but you're right, Dom. I mean, Rice is just huge. He's, <laughs> he's so much bigger. You guys have to realize too that one flyweight division is really the UFC's bantamweight division. Yeah, it's, it's like a ten pound. Uh, you won. They implemented the the like water testing or whatever it was called, the hydration test. Yeah. Which I guess they're working, but you know. <laughs> then you see this. <laughs> then you see Adrian Rice being able to make this weight class, and you're like, uh, huh? you're telling me he's not cutting weight because uh, that dude is a mammoth. He looks like he could be in Habib's 165-pound division. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he is massive. So I look forward to the fight. It's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big one. We'll get to talk about it on here. That's all fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, Last one, September 10th. Huh. They really just want to see this guy fucking – the UFC just really wants this guy to get knocked the fuck out every time. <laughs> I just fights. spit on my mouse. Shamil Abdurahimov is ha- going to have to fight Jailton Almeida on September 10th. And look, hey, maybe he has some, some tricks up the sleeve. But Dominic, this feels like an inevitable outcome already. Jailton Almeida is likely going to be looking at top 10 here before the end of the year. What a just rise this guy's on. His first fight in the UFC, not even a heavyweight. Yeah. Then he takes that heavyweight fight against Parker Porter and smashes him. And now here he is, third fight in the UFC, about to be against number 12, Shamil Abdurahimov, who is probably one of the more vulnerable heavyweights in the top 15, coming off a couple tough knockout losses in a row. Well, first off, I just think it's clear that the UFC knows what they have here with Almeida. And his skill set shows that and what he's done. But I just thought it was interesting that he's staying at heavyweight. And maybe it was just like, hey, whoever's available, I'll do 205. I'll do heavyweight. Whoever's next. He's getting number 12. He's one in it. He is one and oh in the UFC heavyweight division against Parker Porter. And he's getting a number 12 ranked heavyweight. I think that says it all right there about what this guy can be, the ceiling that he can have. But it's like, where do you want to see him or do you just whatever's best available put him there because he can clearly be a 205er because he what he weigh 226 against parker yeah. porter i mean this this could be some like a bit of a hamzat-esque like beginning of career where he could go back true. and forth there's a lot of potential here in this kid and this fight explains it yeah i mean parker porter the true test for a top heavyweight if i've ever seen one so yeah, um, <laughs> but and if Almeida wins this, by the way, and goes three and zero, potentially three finishes, he probably all but locks up newcomer of the year at the Joey's. Maybe there's a I lot of great know. newcomers I don't know. this year. I don't know. You have a point, but Dominic, you got to look at our list, bro. I Mohamed Mohayev's on yep. there. Jack yep. Della Maddalena, who you talked about throwing a stack on next week. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, I mean, it's. There's a lot so of many. tough competition. Michael Morales. I mean, yep. this is some great picks on there for this year. So it's like this is the – I have like six names, and I haven't been able to whittle them down yet. Mike Malott also on there. Yeah, it's like so. this will be our third Joey. This seems to be the most stacked for that category so far, yeah, I feel like. Really, it really does. And that, but you're right, though. He does have an early lead right now. Yes, sure. yes. Well, that's all for the fight announcements. Let's get into the rest of UFC Apex and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. So, Lucas Almeida, a guy who lost his Contender Series showing, gets a chance here 
against Michael Trezano, a pretty firmly established guy in the UFC. Huh? And he gets the TKO, Dom, 55 seconds into round three. Broke my heart when I woke up from my little cat nap. Yeah. Uh, despite not going to distance. Uh, your thoughts on Lucas Almeida and how he looked here against Trezano? Uh, great fight. Lucas Almeida nearly got finished in the first round badly. Uh, came back, knocked Trezano down in the second round, got the finish early on in the third round. Very good fight. He's 14-1. and one. Noah said the only loss in his career was on the contender series, and I think it was even a decision. Uh, but yeah, now he's got 14 wins, all 14 via finish. Very well-rounded, patient. Really, it was just a great fight. Both guys, very smart, very got technical. Got the fight of the night. Got the yeah. and as it should have. So it was quite the performance. That's still, like, that's a pretty solid debut to get it over Michael Trezano. Not that he's, like, a world beater or anything, but Trezano's a guy that was putting it together. You know, fight by fight, you saw the potential growing. So it was a great first uh, win in the UFC for Almeida. I agree. Another debut on this main card, Karine Silva. It's a first-round submission over Pollyanna Botello, someone who's kind of a middling uh, women's fighter, but someone firmly established, someone who's been there, done that for a while. So Karina Silva getting that first-round submission with five seconds left in the round. Your thoughts on her and maybe her potential here? I think it was um, a lot cleaner for, for bleh, tongue twisted performance than what we saw of her on the contender. Yes, she got the finish there. She's got 15 wins. 15 finishes she's finished every single fight that says something by the way for being in the the flyweight division but um this i didn't expect her to look this good and calm and composed and she kind of just she hurt poliana on the feet found the opening then got the submission i think it does show her well-rounded skill set i just want to see really her get tested past the first past the early part of the second mm-hmm. can she be there in the later rounds that's what i want to see next but there's definitely potential I mean, when you're finishing fights like this, there's got to be something. So Yeah, truthfully, the Contender Series bout didn't I, – I didn't walk away. Yeah, it was we sloppy. With her. But um, here, I, I liked what I saw. I thought she looked really good. Now, you're right. That's the big question that we're going to hope to get answered. When you have someone that finishes at this rate, it's kind of the opposite of Mozart. It's like we yep. actually want to see you go 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes now. So, um, yeah, but someone to watch out for for sure. That was that straw weight, right? I think that fight actually was at strawweight, yeah. But she has yeah. fought a flyweight. You're right, yeah. So even more impressive then when you yeah. take that into account. I mean, a talent stack strawweight division. Yeah. Maybe this could be a fresh face. I don't know. I like mm-hmm. I liked what I saw. Alonzo Menafield, Dom. He looked pissed, and honestly, yeah. maybe just not. Maybe just don't piss this guy off because Asgard Mazarov was kind of. I don't know what this guy. This guy was trying. What to a week. The, he was trying to make the greatest heist of of the year. <laughs> Uh, here's the story, if you guys don't know, which I'm, I'm sure many of you have kind of heard it by now. But um, essentially, at the beginning of the week, Asghar Mazarov's professional MMA record was 25-7, and seven, according to Tapology and all sources, right? Yeah, yeah. By the end of the week, it was 19-12. and 12. <laughs> Big difference. Now, <laughs> there was an article kind of written on this that went into detail about how apparently members of Mozarov's team had been, like, trying to... They had made, like, fake fight event posters. And, I mean, we're we're calling, trying to pretend to be, like, promoters for shows and really shady stuff going on. Changed his name or something for a couple times. Yeah, he fought under, like, three different names (laughs) in his career. This guy is... I mean, I... I kind of want him to stick around just for <laughs> just, like, yeah, just, yeah. Like, the next time he comes out, is he going to fight under a different name? I don't know. I yeah. mean, you can't deny that neck tattoo, dude. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, I'm just imagining him showing him a poster, like, is this you fighting? And it's, like, him with, like, a fake mustache. But he still <laughs> but has that huge-ass neck tattoo. He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's not me, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, he got the shit kicked out of him here by Alonzo huh? Menafield. Alonzo, you know. He's, he's a guy, right? He's a, he's a guy, again, that's like I've kind of said about some people in the last couple of fights. He's he's kind of firmly established in the UFC, but not a guy who's necessarily done a ton. You know, right. He lost to OSP in a fight that he should have won. Actually, an interesting statistic. I believe this was his ninth UFC fight, I think. He had had eight before this. He had been the favorite in all eight of his UFC fights, but I believe he was wow. only five and three. So Yeah. Um, kind of an interesting... 
statistic that I like the UFC does that now when they, they, they put some statistics. Yeah, I, I like that. Favorite or the underdog. So he does get the TKO here in the first round. Uh, Mazarov, I mean, I think that's it for him. Probably him and Dean Barry having the shortest UFC careers in the recent memory. Am I right? Yeah, I love that I placed money on Dean Barry. But yeah, uh, yeah he's probably gone. You can, The fight week build up the lackluster performance minifield though like built like a brick shit house i'd love to really see what he can do like potential wise if he can put it all together i feel like he can do something you know he's 30 maybe not years a, old though. yeah you know time's against him it's not on his side so i i mean he recognizes that and what's funny is like even ryan span came out on twitter and was like dude seriously when this guy's mad about something, he's my least favorite guy to spar against. And he was pissed about this shit with Mozaro. He said, I mean, the quote was hilarious. He was like, yeah. this guy's fighting. He's like, this guy's got three different records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just TKOing him twice in the same, in the same night. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz turned back to clock, Dom. Definitely. Got second round submission over Felice Herrig, too. Uh, pioneers, if you will, of the women's strawweight division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina, former title challenger, fought at UFC 205, the first event in New York against Joanna. Yeah. People forget. Uh, but those were better days for, for both yeah. of these women, actually. Uh, uh, Carolina was on like a four or five fight skid. Felice Herrig hadn't won a fight in I don't know how many years. Uh, these two had fought before at UFC 223 in Brooklyn. Greatest card uh, ever. <clears throat> <laughs> Anyways, fair, fair point. <laughs> Carolina uh, won via Dolly smash. Oh no, sorry, that was something else. Uh, she won via split decision. Um, so here with the second fight, um, um, I'm just gonna say my piece, and then I'll let you. He's got a lot of piece to say. No, I don't. I don't. Because I don't want Dom to silence me, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what I what I, just Dom does the editing, so I ultimately am at his discretion. I'm at, I'm at Dom's discretion. So <laughs> let me just say this: I I understand people being very happy for Carolina because again, pioneer, right? You know, she you you'd like to see her getting a win. She looked very happy about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But then when she got on the mic and she's like, I'm back, you know. I'm sorry, I just don't really think so. I think this fight said a lot more about Felice Herrig's capabilities at this point. Uh, Felice just didn't have anything, really. And, um, you know, Felice Herrig never really was like a like a real... I mean, she right. at one time, I think she was like 5-1. and one, But then she, you know, lost four straight or whatever. But, yeah. you know, at, at least the UFC gave her... You know, Mike time so she could retire, which was an uh, interesting move. They didn't do that for, I don't know if they did that for Anderson Silva, but at least they did it for yeah. Felice Herrick. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, your thoughts on Carolina's performance? She didn't get a performance bonus from this, funny enough. She did or did not? She did not. Oh, really? I, that actually surprises me. I thought she would have. That's a, um, But, uh, you know. Well, I, you could, you could say, I mean. <laughs> There were a lot of finishes on this card. Oh, uh, there was no, I, and you're right. She probably should have. But I like how uh, you know you just re- you react a lot differently than like <laughs> people on MMA Twitter do. Yeah. When it comes to someone being snubbed for a bonus, you react like, "Oh, that's an interesting fact. She didn't get a bonus." <laughs> These people are like, "You at son Dana, of a bitch. At Dana White, <laughs> eat my shit, bitch!" <laughs> and you're just uh, like, "Oh." Hmm. <laughs> That was a very interesting <laughs> fact you just told me. It's like, oh. Uh, okay, so it just, uh, it's just interesting to know, Dom, ain't, Dom does not support fighters. That's what he's trying to say here. He's just like, oh, hmm, you didn't get a bonus. Well, yeah. that's very interesting. Uh, but, uh, hey, I liked what I saw from Carolina, but Noah's right. It, it, while it was a good performance, does it say a ton about where you are? Because she's 36, 30, no, Felice was 37. Carolina's 36. She had lost five in a row. All to good competition, albeit, but just wasn't giving anything. If she can actually beat someone with more relativeness right now in the division, maybe it is like number 15 or whoever's back there in the top half and does the same type of performance where she looks good, but then beats somebody like that, then we could talk a little bit about maybe 
maybe your your back a little bit compared to the old Carolina. <laughs> but it was a feel good moment. Like you could tell the emotion. Like that just felt like because honestly, if she loses, she's probably done. That would have been six in a row. That would have been actually I saw before the fight happened. If she would have lost that and made it six in a row, that would have been the most fights ever consecutively lost by a women's fighter in the UFC. So she did not make history. I like Carolina, so I don't want to like clown on her here for it. But it did when she did say I'm back. Like she, I think uh, she was kind of led into that by Paul. I think Paul said yeah. something about her being back. So she's like, yeah, I'm back. But when she said it, I definitely got the Cam Newton scoring a touchdown oh last my. season. Yeah, vibes. Uh, yeah. Insert clip here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes because we know how the rest of the season turned out (laughs) yeah yeah so uh hopefully that's not what's in store for her future but right time will tell uh tony gravely damn it (laughs) good hey good on tony though but damn it (laughs) tony gravely gets the first round just over first minute knockout Johnny Munoz Jr. to give him his first loss of his career, I believe. Uh, Tony Gravely, Dom, I believe five and one in his last six fights. Is yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, and and let's remember. I don't know if you remember his one loss in that run was a fight. Uh, I don't remember. I'm looking him up now. I don't remember exactly which card it was on. It was one of these cards in December. I want to say it was on like. You know, I got it pulled up right here. Yeah, so he fought Nate Manis at uh, this was the Anthony Smith Ryan Span card back in September of last year, and I remember this fight because it was an absolute banger of a fight, like just an awesome yeah. fight. But how what made it awesome was that it started with Tony Gravely just beating the shit out of Nate Manis, nearly finishing him multiple times. But then Nate Manis was able to come back gravely, just wiping himself out. Yeah. So really, Tony Gravely very close to being six and zero in his last six fights. I mean, just honestly, this guy we might have to start kind of recognizing that he's he's very legit. And I mean, the yes. power that he was able to put into such Dude. a little boop, just yeah. a little boop. Yeah. Like I know that one had to hurt you, Dom, because you had put money on Munoz's money line. <laughs> yeah. And like. I, I was like sitting there like, huh? What what put him out? <laughs> Dude, I thought that I didn't know what I thought he got like hit on the sh- like a shoulder. I, I thought he literally I thought literally Andy walked in the room and it was like Andy's coming and he's just done. <laughs> yeah. Didn't even get hit with anything. Yeah, that's I mean it was so short, but it hit right on the button. Yeah. It put Johnny Munoz out. It sucked. Plus one ten underdog. It fails for me on I the mean, betting Johnny side. Johnny Munoz undefeated so like to be able to put him out that easy it was yeah. seemingly easy i mean just with that li- you know little force behind it it seemed just great stuff i think tony gravely might be a name to really watch out for yeah and i think like well i love how you painted it what five and one you said now or six and one whatever the case um in the ufc his record overall i think now is 23 and seven so it's not like anything perfect or pretty but in the UFC, he's winning. By the way, the only loss to Nate Manis. Nate Manis is a fucking animal that a lot of people, I think, forget how good he is. So, yes, I think we could see even more better days ahead for Tony Gravely. And at one time, people probably didn't think that. Because his last fight, he was a favorite in this one all so slightly. But his last one, he had a great performance that he won a decision in. And he was the underdog going into that fight. And that so. was the guy making his debut from the Contender Series, Simon Oliveira, yep. which just yep. proves my point about the Contender Series guys, I think. Or whatever. Yeah. Now, uh, Tony Gravely, also a Contender Series guy, uh, four and two in the UFC is his Four and two. So he okay. was, but his, he lost his debut, so he had won on the Contender Series. And then, of course, he loses his debut, like all Contender Series guys do. But he was fighting Brett Johns. Yeah. And then. He got wins over Geraldo de Fritas, Anthony Burchak, and then he loses to Nate Manis, and then rallies off Simon Oliveira and Johnny Munoz. So not a ton of names on there, obviously. Right. But I'd like to see him get a step up in competition just because, I mean, he looks good in these wins. He's 30 yep. years old. Now's kind of the time to really test this guy, I think. Yep, I agree. Uh, finally, Aaron Blanchfield. Man. Didn't make it look easy, but she gets to come from behind win in the second round submission win over J.J. Aldridge. I, I, have a, I feel like I just have positive takeaways for both fighters in this one. Is that, yep. 
Is yep. that accurate? Even though this was a finish, um, Aaron Blanchfield just very opportunistic. You know, the opening just showed itself, and she took full advantage of it. So she's a real problem. Like, she's... I yes. Mean, and she's 22, 23. There, there might be something to be said for the fact that she was losing this fight up to this point. But I think that just says more about her opponent, J.J. Aldrich, and how t- good J.J. Aldrich actually is. Yep. Aldridge literally just one slip up, one opening, and it was over. Blanchfield just able to lock in that submission. But Aldridge was bigger. Her power seemed to be kind of hurting Blanchfield a lot more. Uh, it just seemed she was much stronger in any sort of clinch or, yep. or position. And I think she she has a future here for sure. And, I mean, like you even mentioned over text, what a rise for her coming from – someone who was nearly written off as yeah, a castaway yeah. at one point. Yeah. she. I mean, she was on a three-fight win streak going into this fight, and she, no shame in losing to Aaron Blanchfield. Didn't she lose her, like, first three fights in the UFC? Yeah, that? she was on some sort of iffy skid. Because I know it's – I think it was, like, kind of a similar how Sam Hughes is right up. now. You know I'm what I mean? Um, but, yeah, again, no shame in losing to Aaron Blanchfield. That – these are both prospects. Blanchfield is just a little bit ahead right now. She's three and zero, and it's that does say something to get a finish when you're down on the cards like that because this is someone in Blanchfield that didn't have a ton of finishes going in. Her first two UFC fights were by decision, so it was a great fight, a great win, and nothing negative on JJ's side either. So nothing. No, actually, she's never even been on a losing streak in the UFC. But at one point in time, she was four and three in the UFC. So win one, lose one, kind of. Then, then went on that three fight win streak. Yeah. So she's seven and four now in the company. Um, still does a, has a lot of finishes. Like only two finish, or has a lot of decisions. Excuse me. She still only has two finish wins and eleven victories. So. Um, she could probably work on that more, but I mean, she is very good though. And, I think and only 29 too. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's it for the rest. Dom. Shall we transition over to the below average vet slip? Unfortunately. Uh, well, look. Oh, hold on. I forgot how to scroll. There we go. Okay. Go ahead and lead us in. I'll get it up. Look, man. I mean, we're, we're garbage. I mean, that's all that there is to it. Um, Throw us out with the, with the trash. Like, it, it's over. It's done. Then that's this week's Below Average Best list. <laughs> <laughs> anything anything uh, you would like to say, Mr. Uppity, Mr. Rogers? Anything listen, you'd like to say? There is a lot of red on this card. And we call it the below average bet slip. And it's all mine. <laughs> There's a lot of red on here. And it all belongs to me. Man. I, I did. Listen, watching this card... I felt bad for my counterpart, Noah, because it's not even like that they were bad bets, but like, like the Trezano Almeida was in the third round with, I don't even, not, not much longer left. And then there's a finish, but Tela Silva that ended quickly, but there was a lot of, I mean, you're right. It was the third round, but it was only 55 seconds in. Okay. Right. (laughs) But like, and even so the 0.75 units, that one's my fault. Anyway, I take the blame on Noah placing that bet, but that one, like, the openings I felt were there for Renat to get the finish and it didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then you look at the parlay, the two unit parlay, Noah gets two legs out of three here. Kovalkovich, Carolina turns back the clock and gets a submission. She's never, I don't even know if she's ever had a submission win in her life before. And it happened last night. It was, it was one of those fucking cards that just make you, so aggravated to place money on fights. Is is that fair to say? Like that that's my, that card. I think my record for parlays could only be best described or no, <laughs> oh, best boy. compared to the way the Reds started their season. <laughs> I think I'm like three and twenty two on parlays or something. Just some monstrosity. Yeah, of, yeah. Those parlays. But every time it looks so appealing. I mean, tell me that parlay doesn't look appealing. I know. Like I, I, I should have went with the Evloev pick. I should have, but I wasn't. I was. I thought Danny Gabe might have had a little bit more to yeah. give than than what transpired. It just, uh, you know, look, we are what we are, Dom. We call it the below average bet sip. We're the below average Joes. We're not giving betting advice. So, hey, we've been doing it for five months. I mean, we're cooked, but 
that's fine. You guys can just follow us so you can you can Laugh. do the opposite of what we do. And I mean, you might be down now, but in the second quarter, baby, you're fucking rich. I mean, yeah. This quarter two has been something else. So yeah, uh, we're cooked. We're done. It's it's over. There's no there's no uh, sunshine. There's no rainbow. No, no sun at the end of the rainbow here. Um, and that's it, right, Dom? That's all for today's bet slip. Yeah. So now oh, I almost hit, I almost left the studio instead of taking that off the screen. Oh, My bad. <laughs> okay. So uh, now it's time for the way we always end our show. Yeah, I know we didn't talk about the fucking. I literally have it written on here so I don't miss it, but um, you guys know to follow us on social media. Anyways, um, we'll let's do it on the, Thursday. Let's end the show. Closing statements, Dom. It's yes. our time to talk about anything and everything going on in the world. It could be about MMA. It could not be about MMA. What do you have for today's closing statements? No, there's a lot going on in the world, but there's a lot more going on in the upside down. Maybe because how about that intro right there? Ooh, I take a lot nice. of credit. Yeah, chills. But uh, so for any of my fellow, I'm not even going to say fellow nerds because millions of people watch this show. But if anyone out there is a fan of Stranger Things, you know that season four just released a couple weeks ago, part one that is. And I have finished those first seven episodes, patiently waiting for July 1st to hit when the last two come out. Um, and I just wanted to say that as a fan of that show for the past however many years, it's been, it's been so cool to watch these little kids just grow with the show, and it just gets better and better by the season. I feel like in this season, I'm not giving spoilers because I know Noah still has to watch it, but it is just so good. It's Chef's Kiss. You know, episode four, Dear Billy, those out there, you know what I'm talking about. Fantastic storytelling. Then you got episode seven. The final 20 minutes are an emotional roller coaster. I didn't know whether to cry, to laugh, to scream, to mute myself and never speak again. It's just such a wonderful show. If you watch Stranger Things, what did you think so far of the first seven episodes? And yeah, that's what I got. There's an episode called Dear Billy. Dear Billy, episode four. Yeah, Billy, uh, the guy who played Billy in the show, I actually was a big fan. Because I forget his real his real name. He's got like a an, like a not a very common name. It's like Doc Ray Montgomery. Yeah, I think he's an Aussie. <clears throat> yeah, he uh, he was the Red Ranger in the Power Rangers movie. Really? So, uh, yeah, and I, I remember enjoying that movie a decent amount. And you know, Power Rangers guy. You know, yeah, yeah. Orphan time, baby. Of course. I thought a Power Ranger thought, kicked the door. To... <laughs> I thought it was a spider for a but it was a fly. Right. That's my face. Um, but he played Billy in the show, and I thought he did a great job, even though that character, man. What a Dude, with I loved that character. I really wish it wouldn't have ended the way it did, but anyway. Yeah, spoilers. For those that haven't seen season three, <laughs> yes, spoiler alert. Um, my closing statement. So as I said, I've been watching a lot of stand-up this weekend. Now, I'm still fairly new into like. Look, I've followed, like, I've listened. It's so weird how comedy's kind of turned, how comedians have sort of. Now, comedians are all on podcasts, right? They're all podcasts. It does seem that way. Along yeah. with their stand up. So I've been introduced, like, I've been watching a lot of comedians' podcasts without watching their stand up. I mean, that's how I was introduced. Well, Joe Rogan, I was introduced to the UFC, but the last thing that I got introduced to with Joe Rogan was his stand-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched him on Fear Factor back in the day. Oh, yeah. And then oh, yeah. the UFC. Then I get into his podcast. And then it's like, well, I'll check out his stand-up. His stand-up is very interesting. It's a yes, lot it different is. than yes. his uh, on-screen, how he is as a you know person. Yeah. But... Um, there's a lot of great comedians out there. Tom Segura is a personal favorite of mine. That's a guy from Cincinnati, actually. But uh, he's one of the bigger acts in the world. But I wanted to give a shout-out to two different stand-up specials I watched yesterday that are both available on YouTube. So it's for free. Um, one of them, let me make sure I get this right, uh, Shane Gillis, he had a, a stand-up special called Live in Austin. Uh, if you guys are a fan of Joe Rogan's uh, podcast, he's been on there a lot recently. He was actually the guy that was hired to be on SNL and then four days later got fired because some comments came to light from his mm-hmm. podcast or whatever. 
guy is hilarious, though. So check out his special on YouTube, live in Austin. And then the other one is a guy named Fahim Anwar, and it's his special called Hat Trick, where he does a set in all three rooms of um, the comedy store in L.A. Mm. So a uh, very interesting kind of setup for the special, and both just killed it. And this was my first time listening to these guys do stand-up, even though I've been fans of them kind of before that. So highly recommend both of those. I saw with Fahim's like, comments, people were like donating because it didn't cost anything to watch it. Oh, gotcha. So that could be an option if you guys would like to support them as well. Like You could also donate to their video. But uh, they're free to watch. They're great comedians, and we should support good comedy, especially in dark times like these. Amen. Amen, Noah. Yeah. That was fucking beautiful. Thank you. As a tear streams down my eye, as a bald eagle soars in, 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 the, yeah. in the east, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Sully, the man with 99 problems, but being a soy boy ain't one. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you on Thursday.